For the next few weeks, we are going to just take some time looking at the idea of what is Christian hope? What, what is Christian hope? And first, in John chapter 16, we're going to look at this morning at our verse of the month. John chapter 16, verse 33. And Jesus is speaking, and he says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, I pray you just help us now as we hear it, that you would open our eyes, that we behold wondrous things from your word. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Or another translation, put it this way, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. This Wednesday afternoon, I got an email from Brian Vocal, and uh, he was responding to something I put in the Wednesday Word. And in, in, in that email, he said, "Sometimes you wonder, and sometimes, sometimes you wonder where God is in your life." And we had a great conversation um, over text a couple days later, and I appreciated that Brian was willing to let me say this is who he who sent that email to me, because we're all in that boat, aren't we? Sometimes, if we're really honest, sometimes you wonder, where is God in your life? What's God doing in our lives? How is God working in our lives? What is Christian hope? What do we do post-Easter? And we celebrate the resurrection, but what do we do post-Easter? What's, what's the point of the rest of all this time on earth? And what are we looking forward to? And how confident and courageous are you in Christian hope? And how do you demonstrate your confidence and courage in Christian hope? This morning, we're just going to look at those two questions. How confident and courageous are you in Christian hope? And how do you demonstrate your confidence and courage in Christian hope? A couple weeks ago, we watched the movie October Sky again, if you haven't seen that. It was uh, about the true life story of Homer Hickam, who is uh, an author and an engineer for NASA. He grew up in Colwood, West Virginia, was never supposed to be able to make it to college, was uh, just supposed to be working in the coal mines. That was what his fate for life was supposed to be. That was his hope. His dad was in charge of it. And as the movie goes on, Homer Hickam had a greater desire. He loved rockets. He, he loved seeing Sputnik fly across the sky. And he wanted to be outside, above ground, looking at star, the stars, studying science. And he was brilliant. But there's a scene in the movie when all of that comes crushing down on him. And he has to go to work in the mines, if you've seen the movie. And he... There's a scene where Homer Hickam is going down in the mines for the first time, and he's looking up in the sky, seeing the stars, and he's conflicted. He doesn't want to be there. There's no peace. 
He's confused. He's sad. Because he knows he's been called to something else. That's the situation the disciples found themselves in or about to find themselves in in John chapter 16. Jesus is just had the Lord's Supper with them. And in John chapter 16, verses chapter 13, verse 31, through John chapter 16, verse 33, this is Jesus talking to his disciples and just giving them his final last instructions. He's saying, these, these are all the things that you need to know. And they are confused. He's talking about how he's going to die and then how he's going to go away. How they're going to see him now and then they're not going to see him. And, and they keep bringing up these questions as you go back and read all this. And he's trying to tell them, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. But they are troubled. And then he says, talks to them about being in the vine and talks to them about the Holy Spirit, another comforter is coming, and how it's going to be good for him to go away. And they are very confused. They don't understand it. They even say to him, why are you talking in figures of speech? We don't understand what you're trying to tell us. But, they, but Jesus is giving them this last long instruction before he goes away, his farewell discourse to them, and he wraps it up with verses 33. And he calls them, Ultimately, all through those passages, what Jesus is calling his disciples to is a long obedience in the same direction. Because he says in verse 1 of chapter 16, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. And then he talks some more, and they're very confused. And then he says to them in verse 32, and they think they've got it. They think they finally grasp it. And Jesus says to them, Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus said, I'm telling you all this stuff so that you don't stumble. And then he knows that they're going to stumble. He goes, listen, because I want you to hear all this, because I don't want you to stumble, but you're going to stumble. You're going to scatter. Which says to us that stumblers are welcome. Stumblers are welcome. You ever stumble? Any stumblers in following God's will? What you think God wants you to do in your life? You ever, you ever stumbled along trying to figure out what is God doing in my life and wondering and then find out you've stumbled along the way in it? In it? There's many ways to stumble, Jesus says. But Proverbs 24, 16 says, For the righteous fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. The reality is the good news for us is that we are all stumblers. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, knew, I don't want you to stumble, but I know you're going to stumble, and I still love you anyway. So all of this is really a grace that stumblers are welcome. If you are here this morning, and you show up every Sunday, and you go through the motions, and you have the thoughts, I wonder what God's doing in my life, we have a responsibility to pursue God, to figure those things out. 
and to question them, but God is far greater than your stumble. So if you've tuned out already because you thought I've stumbled, I don't think that stuff anymore, the truth is those were the disciples. That was the context. These guys were route ready to stumble big time, and all through it, Jesus is giving them a big hug and just saying, stumblers are welcome, so listen. I know you're going to stumble, and I said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. And we'll start with the tribulation. In the world we'll have tribulation. The word tribulation really just means pressure. All things are not good. God said in Romans 28, all things work together for your good. But all the things that we face in life, all the struggles that we go to, all the pressures that we endure, they're not good And if we look at the sense of hopelessness and lack of peace that is very palpable in our culture, even with every means possible to push the feelings back into the farthest closet of people's minds, we have every means available to cram all those deep feelings deep, deep, dark inside of us, but we can't, and people can't. They keep pouring out all over the place. Just look at the opioid, opioid problem. 115 Americans die every day from overdosing. The suicide rate in 2016 was 30 years, 30 times was higher than in any rate in 30 years. With all the access to everything that we possibly have to cram all our deep feelings deep inside, far back away, so nobody has to deal with them, we can't do it. They keep struggling and pouring out because in the world, there is tribulation. There is all kinds of pressures on us. And even in situations now where there's this, there's, there's this chance to view and see the inside of success, it's not as what everybody thinks it is. The optimism for the future for many people in our country is at an all-time low. They don't think that they're going to have it as good as their parents ever did. In the world, there's tribulation, there's this pressure. And then when you see people who have made it and said, hey, they, they are successful. They've got what everybody in the world wants. This is what it appears like in the West we should be striving for. Those people, they've got to have it made. But the problem is, with all the technology today, that veil that used to cover those people has been pulled away. And so when people like Marcus Pearson, 36-year-old founder of Minecraft, sells the company for $52.5 billion dollars, and purchases a $70 million mansion, and spends his day, in his words, living the dream, he will tweet tweet out something like this, which is what he said, the problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying. And hanging out with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able, able to do whatever I want, and I have never felt more isolated. Because the world, the system of the world is filled with trouble. It's filled with pressure. And the world, the system of the world, says the way you get peace is you go after pleasure. Pursue pleasure. And 100 million teenagers can hear about this 36-year-old guy and say, that's what I want. Read his story and still say, It'll never happen to me. 
If I had that much money, I would be happy. The world will say, seek pleasure, seek pleasure. That's how you get peace. Or seek power. Power is how you get peace. Be the ultimate authority or make everything great again. Then you're going to be having peace. And history has shown over and over again that's not how people get peace. Great powers fall apart. And the one that I think affects us in our culture is in a real way, on the Route 34 corridor, there's plenty of people pursuing pleasure. There's plenty of people pursuing power, but there is a sense of pleasantness that people say, hey, if you just live this pleasant life, you'll have peace. Get a good job, buy some nice cars, then upgrade, buy some more nice cars, be a nice person, work in your school, volunteer, serve here, help out there. If you do that long enough, eventually you'll get, some, you'll get known, people will like you, you'll have some peace, and there'll be a, a pleasantness. And there's a very plastic reality to that that people live in. It's unbelievably plastic. It's like a Stepford Wives society. It's just not real. But, if we, we, but there's a whole bunch of people in our culture and in our surrounding area who, who really believe that I can just get into small town pleasantness, then I'll have peace. And Ecclesiastes reminds us that all of it, pleasure, power, pleasantness, it's all Nothing. It's vanity. The Bible says vanity. Vanity is vanity. It's been tried and tried and tried and tried. And vanity of vanities all is vanity. Trying to get peace through pursuing your own pleasure, through becoming powerful, just being a nice person and being pleasant doesn't ultimately give peace, the Bible says. It is, there's tribulation, there's pressure. But how often are you trying to find peace? In those ways. A general optimism is another way that people are always saying, hey, you know, just be positive. Look on the bright side. But scientific studies are showing that just that idea of a happy disposition does not necessarily produce a happy life. You can master all the skills of being positive. But it doesn't mean you're going to need peace. What we need is more than hope in hope itself. We need something deeper. And there is an enemy that no attitude can stop because all these people are trying to pursue peace and have something to hope into. And we're all trying to do this. We, we look for it in pleasure. We look for it in power. We look for it in pleasantness. Or I'm just going to be positive and things are going to go well. And I'll have peace and I'll have hope. And that can work for 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, 60 years. But ultimately, there is a tribulation that nobody can overcome. It's death. 100 years from now, there's going to be all new people in here. Nobody's going to remember hardly any of us. I rode back to the back of the a cemetery the other day, to the farthest back tombstone. I think her name is Barbara. Nobody knows Barbara on the earth. 
I can't remember if that's her name. We're going to be forgotten. The peace and the hope that people have, the ultimate tribulation is death that we have to overcome. In the world, we will have tribulation. In the world, we'll have pressure. And the ultimate pressure that we can't overcome is death. But Easter came. And resurrection for those who trust in Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is our champion. He went to the cross, dying in our place, paying the penalty of our death, destroying the power of death, and being gun a new resurrection in us. That's why I wrote Second Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 15 is so good for us. If you are trusting in Jesus, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the world will have tribulation. And Jesus overcame for us as Christians the power of death. Yet the question is, how confident, if that is your reality, that you're trusting in Jesus Christ and his resurrection, and and we celebrated Easter, and he is alive, and we have victory in Christ over death, we don't have to pursue our hope that way. The question is, how confident and courageous are you in Christian hope? And how do you display your confidence and courage in Christian hope? In this time that really is the already, not yet. Jesus has already conquered sin and death. He's already done that on the cross. We celebrated that last week. But we are now living in this time when those things are true, but we aren't fully experiencing them. So what's our Christian hope and how can we have courage like Jesus says but take heart I've overcome the world it's because in the world in the system of the world it's just tribulation pressure and for the disciples and for us who will follow Christ it's persecution is what he was preparing them for but he says in Jesus you may have peace I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. What's peace? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. Peace for the Christian doesn't mean an absence of problems. And I can tell us that right now, and all of us are going to nod our heads and say, that's right, that's right. But Tuesday afternoon, when we got a problem, we're going to be like, what? I thought Jesus was supposed to help me out of these situations. Where's Jesus? Where's God in my situation? How come it's this way? Why do I have to go through this? Peace for the Christian and Christian hope doesn't mean an absence of problems. Jesus just said it. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have pressures. Peace does not mean an absence of difficulties. And peace doesn't even mean an absence of human hostility. People are not going to like you as followers of Christ. We will be persecuted. Jesus was preparing his disciples for that. Peace is, it doesn't mean those things. But what is Jesus' peace? When Jesus says, in me you have peace. Jesus' peace is that God is working for your total well-being in every and all circumstances. Because Jesus went to the cross, because he conquered death, sin, and hell, took our penalty, and won the victory over those things. The blessingness that we get from God, the peace that God gives us is that 
all those circumstances that we deal with now, all the problems, all the pressures, they're, they're being worked out for our well-being. God is in them. They're going to be turned for our good. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 25, when God told Moses to tell Aaron to give this blessing to the nation of Israel. And Aaron said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. To a people who stumbled often. But it was a promise that the peace of God is that God is going to work for your complete well-being. Shalom. Your condition may not always seem good. And it may not actually be good. But God's purposes for you in your condition is that he's working for you total well-being. As bad as it is, it means God's for you. He's not against you. He's working in it for your well-being. He, he's offering and he's giving you peace. He's not surprised by what's happened to you. He's not shocked by the pressures. He's not, he's not anxious about the pain that you're going through, nor is he worked up by the people who are causing you the pain and pressure in your life. He's conquered all that. He is the king. His kingdom has come. He's not surprised. And he's working all those things for us. That's Christian hope. That even in the difficulties of tribulation, he's working his well-being in everything for our good. And he's not a God who's just way up here and distanced from us. He's a God who understands. It's this Jesus who went to the cross and who suffered and endured the pain. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he knows what it's like to cry at 3 o'clock in the morning. He knows what it's like to be so stressed, you can hardly move. And because he does that, and because he did that for us, he offers us this peace that for us, all these pressures, all these tribulations, he's working for our well-being in all our circumstances. But how do we receive this peace? It's a gift of grace. We don't deserve this kind of peace, do we? If you're a Christian, you have admitted at some time that no, I don't deserve that kind of peace. I don't deserve to have somebody working out my bad circumstances for my good. A Christian would say no. There was a time when I realized that I am not good. I needed someone to rescue from me. I have caused people to be at no peace. I am a victim and a victimizer of people's peace. And I needed help outside of myself and admitted that I'm a sinner. And I've gone my own way, turned to my own self, not reflected back God's glory. But I believe that Jesus reflected back God's glory perfectly. He went to the cross for my sins on the cross innocently as my representative died on the cross, rose again. And if I believe and trust in Jesus, I can have hope. If that's you, that's how we receive it. It's all absolute grace. But what does this Jesus peace do for us? What's it, what's it do for us? Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but take heart. 
Take courage, I have overcome the world. The peace that God gives us, it says to us, in courageous confidence, we can continue. An absolute courageous confidence. Jesus is victorious is what he's saying. I've overcome the world. I am the champion. I've triumphed over the world. And he's saying this to very confused people. Why can Jesus say that to us? And why can he say it to us now? That's hope. If you can courageously and confidently continue, you have hope. The reason why we can do that as Christians is because of the presence of Christ and the grace of God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And there was a time in Paul's life when he was standing before the leaders of Rome and he was defending the gospel and had a chance to sh- share it and all the other Christians, all the other people abandoned him. But he said, everybody else abandoned me, but the Lord was with me, and he had peace. The presence of Christ gives us courage and confidence that we can continue and hope, even in the most deepest difficulties. It's the presence of Christ that carries us through. Andy and Jenny Smith, our missionaries to Indonesia, they just moved this week into the village. They got their house built, and and, and Jenny wrote this Facebook post this week, and I thought it was great. She asked for prayers, they're getting ready to travel in, and she talks about how when she was 16 years old, she was on a trip in Bolivia, and while she was in Bolivia, this man from the Asmat people, where she's going in, and she was reading about them, and this man from the Asmat people, where she is living in right now, came and said, We need missionaries. We need missionaries. And God put a burden on Jenny's heart when she was 16. And then 19 years later, she's finally going in this week with her family. And this is what she said. If I had only known then the incredible path that the Lord was laying down before me, and this is my favorite line about this, she, didn't, she, she says, I would have been so discouraged to know how long it was going to take to make these dreams a reality. She didn't say, if I had only known the incredible path that serving God was going to be, it was going to be such a party and such a blast, so easy, I'd have done it a lot quicker and I can't wait to do it. She didn't say that because that's not reality, is it? In the world we have tribulation. Had I known, I'd have been so discouraged to know how long it was going to take to make this dream a reality. And then she closed it with, his timing, his ways, his plans are perfect. That's the presence of Christ. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. It's the presence of Christ and it's the grace of God that gives us this courage to do it. It's unbelievable grace of God that he gives us. Free, absolute grace of God. And the grace of God for us as Christian hopes while we're in this world of pressure, but still hoping and having the peace of God, it's like this, Frederick Buechner said this, the grace of God means something like this. It's like God saying, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. I love you. How? That's Christian hope. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. 
But how do you get that in? How, would, how do we get that so in that we wonder less what God is doing in our lives? The way we do it is the way Jesus designed for us to do it. If you look at John chapter 13 all the way through 16, over and over, Jesus says, I said these things to you. I said these things to you so that you may remember, remember, remember this. Let me remind you of this. I'm saying these things to you. The way that we get this thing, these things in is by being helped by the word of God, hearing God's word. Jesus was over and over saying, I'm saying to you this so you'll hear this, so you'll know this. Let me remind you of this. We have to hear God's word. If you wait to go through a pressure situation and then, you, and, and then expect that you're gonna sense the peace of God, you'll be blown out of the water. That's why Jesus was preparing his disciples in advance. He's saying, I'm going to tell you this now. I'm telling you this now so that when you get into the situation, you'll remember. We need to hear God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We need to be prepared. So put yourself, put yourself individually in a place where you're hearing the word of God and then corporately together. That's why we gather week after week. You know what we need to hear week after week? We need to hear the gospel week after week, over and over, and reminded over and over. Because that's where the hope of the world comes from. That's where our peace comes from. That's where our courageous confidence comes from. Like the old hymn says, tell me the old, old story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story simply. As to a little child, for I am weak and weary and helpless and defiled. Tell me the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the same old story when you have cause to fear that this world's empty glory is costing me too dear. And when the light, Lord's bright glory is dawning on my soul, tell me the old, old story that Christ Jesus will make me whole. What we need, what you need is to hear the word of God. Hear the old, old story over and over again of the gospel over and over, who Jesus is, and remind ourselves of it so that we can have this courageous confidence and peace. You might be a student here this morning, and there's all kinds of people who are going to tell you there's a lot of shiny things to live your life for. So live your life for the shiny things. Pursue the fancy stuff. Make money. And spend it on yourself. And there's some of you who are young parents who are stressed out trying to figure out where to find the shiny stuff and wondering if God is with you and what God's doing in your life. This isn't the way you thought it would be at this moment. And there'd be some of us in middle age who've bought too much of the shiny stuff. Thought we'd find peace and happiness with the shiny stuff, but the shiny stuff isn't quite doing it, and so we think we need to buy more and more of it. And there's some of you who are retired, 
who have a lot of the shiny stuff. And it hasn't maybe satisfied as much as you have wanted. The hope of the Christian is not in the shiny stuff. The hope of the Christian is in hearing the old, old story of the gospel over and over and being reminded of it and living a life devoted to it where we pursue God, love others, and serve the world. And as we pursue God, love others, and serve the world, it will be well with our souls. Not because of anything that, Jesus, that we have done, but all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us when he said, take heart, Jesus, I have overcome the world. Is that your hope? Is that your peace? Have you been a little too distracted by the shiny stuff that you need to ask God, God, turn me away from it. Turn me away from it. Help me to see that what I need is Jesus and Jesus alone to take heart and to overcome the world and have a courageous confidence in my hope. Pursue God, love others, and serve the world so it can be well with our souls because Jesus has overcome the world.
my thorns, those were my scorns, those were my tears that fell down. And just as you said it would be, you did it all for me. After you counted the cost, you took my shame, my blame on my Those were my nails, that was my crown That pierced your hands and your brow Those were my thorns, those were my scorns Those were my tears that fell down And just as you said it would be, you did it all